Hello and welcome to Saturday Night Hive. Today we are recapping the April 12th, 2021 episode of SNL with Carrie Mulligan hosting and Kid Cudi as a musical guest. And I'm here with my friend Hibba. Hello, Hibba. Hey, Candice. So first off, I want to start with an Olympian victory lap. And I want to congratulate us, Hibba. I want to congratulate us because this episode brought together two of our picks from the SNL 2021 draft. I picked Carrie Mulligan because I was like, she's going to be nominated for an Oscar for Promising Young Woman. Yay. You picked Kid Cudi because he came out with an album. And so all I want to say is like, we did it, Heba. We did it. Anyway, (laughs) so one thing I kind of found interesting about this episode is that there were no cut for times, at least on my YouTube page. And... I kind of think we both agree that there was like one or two sketches that definitely should have been cut for time, but that's okay because we're going to start at the top with the cold open. So the cold open was actually a sketch that they've done before, and it kind of reminded me of this sketch that they did basically where this panel of news anchors were trying to guess if the criminal of the story was black or white, and this was called Eye on Minnesota. Now... This week, I sent Hibba a very, very cool text message, and it was a link. It was a link to a profile, kind of, about Ego Wodum, and it was really cute, and I really enjoyed it, but something that that piece said was that this was Ego season, and I was like, oh my god, it is, and I think that was especially solidified in this cold open, because at this rate, she has appeared in so many cold opens this season. Ego's wonderful. I love her. My other favorite thing just about this cold open is that they did kind of mention, like, Prince Philip dying. But, like, Prince Philip dying was not the biggest story of the week. It was not even the biggest story of Friday. And I just have to say that I'm pretty confident that Queen Elizabeth II has uh, been drafting the statement in her outlook for, like, months She finally sent it on Friday. Everyone was like, oh, okay. And then we moved on. Um, But speaking of moving on, let's go to the host and the monologue. Hibba, what did you think of Carrie Mulligan's monologue? Yeah. Okay. First of all, I think it's hilarious that you think that the queen uses Outlook or even writes her own emails. I will if say it's not Outlook, did. it's Hotmail, I have to say. Yeah. Maybe like AOL. Yes. Like yes, yes, yes. Um. Yeah. I was really excited for this episode. I just saw Promising Young Woman, the movie mm-hmm. that Carrie was in that was nominated for an Oscar mm-hmm. um, and thought it was really, really well done. I'll just say that I was a little bit disappointed in the monologue itself because her husband took so much of her stage time and talking Mm -hmm. time. First of all, I didn't even know that she was married to the guy from Mumford and Sons and like it was kind of cute and quirky. But let me just say that if I ever get to host Saturday Night Live, my husband should know how much it means to me that he would not be taking up like 75% of my (laughs) airtime. So yeah, that was my main annoyance with it. Like I thought it was cute. I thought like Um, her suit that she was wearing was pretty cool Mm -hmm. but I was like buddy get off the stage this is like not your time to shine yeah I mean first off hit but let's be very clear your husband is not even allowed in 30 rock when you're yeah like leave me alone give me a space to thrive yeah are you gonna let him come to the rehearsals though I have to ask um 
Honestly, it depends who it is. We'll see. Oh, 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 oh. It's like, it's like if he's acting up, it's a no. But if he's a good boy, then like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> You know, I agree with you on her pantsuit. Uh, for some reason, I kind of knew she'd wear pink. There, Especially with Promising Young Woman, it's like very centered around bright colors. You know, bright blues, bright yellows, bright pinks. I was like, she is on this Oscar campaign and she will not let you forget. But also... It's, like, funny because I don't really watch a lot of Carrie Mulligan movies. I don't really, like, watch her interviews. And so I forgot how, like, posh her British accent is. And I agree with you. I thought it was kind of odd, pretty unusual for a host's spouse to do so much of the monologue with them. I think, first off, you're completely right. I think this is the first time a lot of people knew or found out that Carrie is married to the Mumford and Sons guy. But on top of that, I don't think, like, people have ever actually seen Carrie and Marcus Mumford, like, in conversation like this. It was honestly more interaction than we've ever seen from Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson. And the other thing, too, is, like, I just really want to know who pitched this idea because I could see a scenario, okay, where Carrie Mulligan was really nervous about hosting. I could actually kind of see a bit of her nerves in the beginning of the monologue. And I wonder if for her, she was like, well, if Marcus is there with me, I'll feel a little better. I'm comfortable bouncing off of him. And I I just really doubt someone on the writing staff would have the courage to be like, please bring the Mumford guy. Like, if anything, their dynamic was very like Chris Martin, Gwyneth Paltrow, if they were still together. And... At the end of the day, I really wasn't sure what their aim was. Didn't love it. But you know what? The rest of her monologue was fine. It was well played. Honestly, I feel like he pitched it himself. Like the way oh, really? that he was being so hype about it. But yeah. I don't know. You know what? I could see that. I could see him um, walking to the table where he'd being like, hey, guys, I just like brought some little snacks for you guys because you're working so hard. And like, oh, my God, you're like talking about the monologue. It's like crazy. I have this idea. It's like crazy. And then he like does this thing, which is ridiculous. Um, I just feel like it was rude that he attempted to upstage her. And yeah. I stand by that. Yeah. Because the thing is, too, Gary Mulligan, I actually think like, did her lines fine it was marcus who was trying to play funny he was the one trying to be like ah yes i am doing comedy and it's just kind of like bro i understand you haven't performed in a year but you're also not nominated for an oscar so step off sit the f down sit down <laughs> with or wear a mask anyway um hey but let's talk about some sketches um what was like your favorite sketch of the night Okay, um, I had a few ones that I really liked. I'd say my favorite one was the study buddy one. Mm. Um, so that was Kate McKinnon being like the nerdy um, boy who had like a girl over, um, which is Carrie Mulligan. I think they were doing like a study date. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, he like calls his friend who is played by A.D. Bryan. Mm -hmm. And they just like, he gets advice from A.D. on like, how to like take things to the next mm -hmm. level with this girl there were some really quotable lines like um like 80 was like yes like of course you came to me for all of my wisdom on girlfriends i had a girlfriend once at graphic design oh. camp 
Like, first of all, is graphic design camp a real thing? Second of all, we'll send my children there. <laughs> yes. You know, actually, there is a such thing as graphic design camp in Southern California. I know like three people who like met their boyfriends there. I'm disgusted. Oh my God. Maybe that's, maybe the root, you know, good comedy is like rooted in truth. Maybe mm. that is the root of this sketch. Oh, you're right. Especially considering, look, Mikey Day from SoCal. Maybe he went to graphic design camp. Anyway, I would not put it past him. He looks like he could be a computer science engineer, like a programmer or something. Oh, yeah. 100%. But anyway, so I love that line. I also loved when, um, yeah, he did something else. AD did like gave Kate some sort of advice. Kate took it and then she was like, oh, yes, I can see she's becoming in love with me. And just like, Mm. that's not how people say, Mm. (laughs) like people usually say like falling in love or something like that. Um, But I thought it was so funny. And also I thought it was hilarious how in the universe of that sketch, Carrie Mulligan just sort of like ignored that Kate was on the phone the whole time. Like if you were actually on a date, like and somebody like took out the phone. Well, okay, she didn't ignore it, but he was very clearly he as in Kate the character Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was very clearly like lying about being on the phone with their doctor um and it was just really funny that that happened at all and I just thought it was cute and I thought that both of them um played their characters really well yeah I agree with you and look here's the thing the boys in my middle school like definitely dressed like that you know like t-shirt with the plaid over it so I really appreciated that um that character study I will say one thing that I kind of find really funny about Carrie Mulligan is that her like default American accent is always like very Midwestern with a little bit of Southern and it just kind of like flows in between those two regions. But you know what? I do want to talk about a sketch that was fascinating for many reasons and that is the weird little flute. My first question I want to bring to the table, Hibba, is isn't a weird little flute just a piccolo that's such a good question and i believe the answer is yes yeah yeah and they did they did drop the p word at some point but i was like as a former seventh grade first chair of the alto saxophone section y'all watch out we got a first chair in the house first chair in the house and actually the way i became first chair is a really good story i'll tell you about it over chipotle one day um Look, flute, it's like funny because I keep saying weird little flute. And let's be very honest, that is a normal size flute. Uh, Pete Davidson was holding up a case of a normal size flute. More importantly, let me say this. I did not love Kid Cudi's mustache. Just for everyone wondering, the small child in the sketch, she's not like a renowned flute player. She's just a person. But I think it's kind of interesting because Hibba brought up to me that this would have been a very good like Lizzo cameo and I agree with you and I kind of wonder if they actually reached out to a few people like number one I hope they've reached out to Lizzo I hope they reached out to Zaytoven who is Future's producer on Mask Off and the woman who performs the flute on that song is Elena Aodele and They also didn't include her, so that was interesting. But the cameo that we have to talk about is none other than Timothée Chalamet. Hibba, what'd you think? (laughs) 
Okay, I had a lot of feelings about this sketch. Again, um, you know that usually I love when they do like musical sketches, um, especially if they include Pete Davidson. This one was a little bit of a miss for me. I feel Mm. like they had the right elements. So like one of the other elements that I really like is when they get the musical guests to be part of the musical sketch. Mm -hmm. So they did that. Kid Cudi was on it. But to be honest, I think the lyrics of this musical short weren't on par with the lyrics that we've seen on other really good musical shorts like Loco or like the Vaxxers one um, that we saw a few weeks ago. So yeah, I feel like, I felt like the there was kind of a missed opportunity with the Lizzo stuff because people in pop culture don't really know flutes except Lizzo made them famous like mm-hmm. a few years ago. I was like, I feel like this could be really funny in either like I just don't know what they're referencing or it's a little bit too niche. That all being said, I do think the Timothy Chalamet appearance saved it a little bit at the end, Mm -hmm. just because it was kind of like when you put icing on like an okay cake, like everyone is still excited for the cake because it's cake, but also icing. Um, But I do think that he's like funny. And I think his friendship with Pete is really funny um, in that they made him a rapper again, um, similar to the (laughs) to the sketch. Um, that we saw on his episode was funny but I feel like you probably really enjoyed it and it was for exactly you (laughs) no you know what's weird though Heba I think you liked it more than me because I do yeah I like I like this analogy of Timothy being the icing on like a grocery store cake which by the way grocery store cakes delicious I love those yeah week old week old grocery store cakes questionable would still eat and that is how I feel about Timmy (laughs) Like, the first off, the whole reason that this, like, cameo even happened is because in January 2019, Kanye West had dinner with Kid Cudi, Timothy Chalamet, and Pete Davidson, and Kim Kardashian was there. She took a photo. It's on Instagram. It's cute. And they went to a sushi restaurant. That kind of kickstarted this whole, like, collab and these cameos. Like, for example, Kid Cudi was on SNL for like a hot second in this one pre-tape where Kyle Mooney was trying to be Pete Davidson like it was a whole thing Mm. and you know I have to say maybe it's because anytime I see Timmy I'm like oh my god a star it's just to me this was not exactly like a star moment or super exciting moment to me it almost seemed like a moment of convenience very like oh my god I have Timmy on find my friends and it looks like he's walking past 30 rock right now should I ask him to come and like tape mm. this thing with us and then Pete was like uh, I mean, sure and then they like did the thing but speaking of other things Heba were there any other sketches that you liked yeah, um, I thought the Star Trek one was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever they do things in that like Star Trek, Star Wars, all of that kind of universe, I'm I'm initially like, Ugh, because I never watched any of that stuff. So I feel like I'm going to miss the references. Mm-hmm. But the sketch itself was actually um, like more universal and relatable than that. And it was about like these rich kids that like graduated from the academy and were like never dealt with any real problems and um I think specifically Ego named them as like rich white kids that were like mm-hmm. having their first full-time job basically mm-hmm. which I think all of us um know who those people yes. are and have yeah. met them so I thought that was really funny I thought it was a really hilarious detail that the main character's name was McKenna because of course <laughs> that's like a very like rich white girl name yeah. um but yeah overall pretty well done I thought Mickey Day Um, again I just like really enjoy the range that he has he was like being this like very extra 
um guy and Mm -hmm. I love to see him like that because I think a lot of the times he plays the character that is like on the side of the audience so he's like the one that's like making sense um so to see him in the opposite kind of like uh the role where he's being the ridiculous one Mm. um I think that's really fun too yeah he was definitely like the enabler of the sketch and Mm -hmm. you know I have to say if Mikey Day and Carrie Mulligan were both single, man, I feel like they really would have hit it off. They would have had Carrie an... break up with Marcus Mumford. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, literally, if if they were both single, if this episode was happening like seven, ten years ago, I could see them being the next, you know, Emma Stone, Dave McCrary, the next Colin Joe, Scarlett Johansson. I don't know. I feel like they kind of mm. had some chemistry, which I liked. <laughs> um. Any other sketches that you enjoyed? Yeah, okay. There was one that I did want to talk about. Um, the one that was like the trailer for the lesbian period drama. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the reason that I wanted to talk about it was because I've heard like really similar discourse in the lesbian community, just like hearing my friends sort of talk about how whenever they watch like a queer period drama, first of all, there are not that many of them. And second of all, like the one that comes out every year, it's so clearly produced like by men for men of mm. like what they think lesbians are like mm-hmm. and the sketch made that so clear um so like they talked about glance choreography which mm. I think is just like a hilarious yeah. concept yeah. in general um I also thought that Kate was like perfectly cast um as like the ex-lover or whatever yeah um so yeah I thought that was good because I think like whenever they make a sketch that's like particularly for a specific marginalized community that resonates with that community um it's like a good a good sign of a job well done yeah no that's true and now turning it to yet again Hibba's favorite segment of the week weekend update (gasps) (laughs) Hibba what do you think of weekend update Okay, um, I thought Weekend Update was pretty solid this week. A lot of good uh, follow-up jokes about Matt Gates from Colin. Um, I will say, I think I decided that I love to see Colin Jost making fun of other white men. So mm-hmm. um, that was great with all of the like Matt Gates, Mitch McConnell jokes. I felt like the Obama, Bruce Springsteen like cameo was like, okay. The most <laughs> thing that I was impressed by there was um the cosmetics that really made yeah. Beth Bennett look like Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. like the forehead and everything like the SNL costumes and like makeup department like does not quit like they they hit it out of the park consistently but like there are some things where you're like okay they did not come to play so that was good my favorite favorite thing which I feel like you also will have a lot of feelings about was Bowen as the icebreaker <laughs> that drowned the Titanic man yes that was first of all it was amazing I think I love when people do comedy about inanimate objects and they personify them so in general I feel like that was really smart comedy I also love that it wasn't just about the Titanic like he had like he didn't just talk about having a musical career he like came and sang like he was ready Mm, to sing for us I love that his like album was called music music Mm -hmm. And I love that one of the lyrics in the song that he sang was, I had an early lunch, but I'm hungry for you. I mean, if that's not a good pickup line, I don't know. Pickup line. Actually, we should start using that more in a post-pandemic world, Hibba. I think that would actually fare very well. Um, (laughs) I agree with you. Man, 
bone as an iceberg was so, 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 so good. I watched it again this morning and like it just hits as strongly the second time. It's genius. It's actually genius because how many people do you know would wake up and say, you know what? I am going to write a sketch about an iceberg who's salty. Like that is genius. And so Bowen, we love you all the more. I have to say though, Hubba, do you think Scarlett Johansson was mad that she didn't get cast as the iceberg? (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Yeah. She probably had to talk to Colin at home and was like, it's really interesting. You didn't mention this to me, but I agree with you. Um, I really did love Punky Johnson, who came on as Pineapple the Stripper. First off, mm-hmm. beautiful name. Second, every line, iconic, so wonderful. And now I kind of want to turn a little bit to the musical performances because Kid Cudi really came out here to make a statement. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first song he did was Tequila Shots, and he was wearing a Chris Farley shirt to commemorate him. And he was wearing this green cardigan over his shirt, which was also meant to be a tribute to Kurt Cobain, who committed suicide on April 5th, many years ago. But I think the moment that we're all talking about here is the second performance that Kid Mm -hmm. Cudi did of the song Sad People, where he wore a floral dress, which was definitely a tribute to Kurt Cobain, who wore this very beautiful, like, floral suit once um and you know to me the first thing I thought of was like oh this reminds me of like young thug wearing an Alessandro Trincone blue dress on the cover of his album no my name is Jeffrey and later on I kind of read about it and apparently Kid Cudi asked Virgil Abloh of Off-White to make the dress for him and this oh I didn't know that yeah and this was just kind of fascinating to me because you know in terms of like you know, celebrity men wearing dresses, pushing the conversation. This is something that we expect from Harry Styles, who had a big Vogue moment. Bad Bunny did it in a music video last year. And Mm. this was something that, like, to me at least, was kind of new for Kid Cudi. But what did you think of this moment, Hibba? Yeah, okay. So I know Kid Cudi to be famous for his mental health advocacy and awareness. So I was already expecting some sort of commentary on that from him. Um, I wasn't super familiar with Kurt Cobain and didn't really know kind of like what the statement he was making was about until I I read about it online after the show. But I felt like it was a really beautiful tribute. I also felt like he employed like one of the major tools of advocacy, which is to do something like a little bit provocative so that Mm. people notice it. Right. So like if people do or don't know, most people probably don't know that April 5th is the anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death, but they will see um, Kid Cudi wearing a dress and like look up why he did that um, so I thought that was really smart also the dress itself was like so beautiful and yeah. beaded and like looked kind of good on him oh so, yeah 100%. happy for that too he's just like one of those people that has enough kind of like grounding to make big supportive statements and I think for it to be like well received um, so I'm glad that he did that yeah And I'm glad you brought that up because I think Kid Cudi and Virgil Abloh and Young Thug, they're very intentional with the moves they make. And a lot of it's through fashion, especially for those three people. And I think for Kid Cudi, the reason it all kind of works out is because it was so subtle. Like if he had worn a dress, if he had worn a shirt that said, you know, the very famous Logic song like phone number on it, 
that would kind of be almost too obvious. But I think what Kid Cudi does very well is giving you a subtle hint, just like something to kind of like shock you a little bit. You Google it, you ask more questions, it becomes a thing on Twitter, then you open the bigger conversation with your friends. And that's wonderful. That's actually very smart. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't describe men wearing dresses as subtle, but I I understand your point of like, um, he wasn't like screaming about the advocacy, right? Like he let the advocacy speak for itself and what he did was start a conversation. And I think you're right. Like um, he's super intentional and he has a reputation for being intentional. Um, so people receive that well. Yeah. And you know what? Overall, I was thinking about the fact that this is Carrie Mulligan's last stop before the Oscars on April 25th. And, you know, she is nominated for a Promising Young Woman. Some say she is mm-hmm. the possible front runner for Best Actress. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about this, too, because SNL is actually starting to get back into their like three episode back to back shooting schedule, which is kind of nice for the cast especially coming off this like six episode in a row situation so Mm. at this point in time there probably will be three episodes of the season left all of them in may the season will probably end on may 15th or 22nd and it kind of made me think a little bit about what they're gonna do with the rest of the season i was like who else can they bring to like you know finish off go into the summer for me I have a few ideas of musical guests they might bring on just because I feel like we are now officially in what's the song of the summer contention. And the first song that came to mind is Kiss Me More by SZA and Doja Cat. I think SZA, Mm. if she comes through, might be putting out an album sometime this year. If so, her coming back to SNL would be a very, very welcome, welcome home. Another person I've been thinking of is Miss Olivia Rodrigo, who now officially has two Billboard songs. She can perform them both. And her uh, show, High School Musical, the musical of the series, season two, is coming back on May 14th. So we got that promo going. And the third musical guest that I kind of feel has a good shot here is Silk Sonic, led by Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Oh, yes. Good point. Right? Because Leave the Door Open is definitely high 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 contender for song of the summer but you know Hiba, i want to know do you have any predictions or are you maybe disappointed that some people didn't show up when you wanted them to yeah oh first of all i think all of your predictions are really solid i am disappointed because one of my predictions from our snl draft picks episode was drake because Mm. aubrey was supposed to drop his new album in January of this year and then delayed it indefinitely Mm -hmm. I will say every time I see him on that like car insurance commercial that being like the state farm guy I'm just Mm -hmm. like why are you doing this like you don't (laughs) need the money clearly like if you have extra time on your hands like work on the album like yes I just don't get it and I feel like like he doesn't need the money he doesn't need to be in a state farm commercial he doesn't need the extra clout he's already a household name like get back to your music um, but maybe early next year. Well, I mean, early next SNL season, which would be in the fall. Yeah, I do think Drake is actually a strong contender for the next season. So when that happens, Seba, I will cheer with you. That'll be a really fun day for us. And at that rate, I hope he hosts and is the musical guest because he is very yeah. good at that. And so that would yeah. be actually quite wonderful. 
I would and... love for him to be in the five timers club. I think he's at two times right now. <gasps> oh, my God. oh my God. Okay. So he just needs like three more times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only three. It's fine. <laughs> it's just three. Um, which is wonderful. Okay. Well, looking back at this episode, Hibba, I'm thinking about the sketches. I'm thinking about Carrie Mulligan. And, you know, I have to say my rating for this episode I think it's a 7.5 out of 10 half vaccinated hosts. What about you? Um, yeah, I was going to say exactly that, a 7.5. There were some highs. There were some lows. Um, I will say a 7.5 out of 10 men who don't deserve airtime but get it anyway. <gasps> cough, cough, Marcus oh Mumford. Oh, my God. I love that. I hope he's so hurt by this episode, Hibba. You it's might fine. quit, you you might quit the music industry. Have they even put out new music ever? Man, I mean, look, I think we can all agree that we, as a collective society, haven't listened to a Mumford & Sons song since, like, 2016. So, no. Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> least without being forced to, like... If you're in oh, the yeah, store and no. it comes on. Um, especially the song he was trying to play. Like, seriously, I only hear that song when I accidentally walk into a TJ Maxx. Like, I never willingly press play. And he should have pressed pause. Let's be real. Anyway, Heva, thank you as always for coming on to talk to me about SNL. You know, at this time of recording, we have no idea when the next episode is or who the next host is, but nevertheless, we will definitely come back to talk about it. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again in May. Bye. Bye.